Tonight, another cold case from the Metro Police Homicide Files. It's a murder from 1973. Stabbed multiple times. In a cold case murder that's baffled them for 45 years. Authorities left with next to nothing to solve this crime. If you have any information that could bring some answers and closure to the family, please contact... For, for humans who want to do something like this to another human. Stabbed multiple times. So it's frustrating terrible. with no, very little evidence, no answers decades later. It's hard to imagine. As we've seen, some of these cases recently even have been solved all these decades later. So let's hope somebody knows something. And comes forward. Welcome to the Searching for Closure podcast. You ever stopped and just thought to yourself, what are the odds that I've met a killer? You know, maybe it's the cashier at Panera Bread. Maybe it's the guy who cut in front of you in the zipper merge during rush hour traffic. Maybe it's the nanny who watches your children. Maybe even your own mother. I mean, how likely is it that one of them is a serial killer? How likely is it that someone you know or have crossed on the street ever committed murder? The rate of murderers in the U.S. who have not yet been caught is 1.5 per 100,000 people, or 4,838 at any given time. That is 0.0015% of the population. So your chances are pretty low that you've actually encountered someone who has killed someone else and gotten away with it. But what about those who haven't killed anyone yet, but they're going to? or those who served their time, and now they're out. In 2017, there were 5.3 murders for every 100,000 people. Seems the odds that you'll encounter someone who will commit murder is slowly growing. In order to understand a killer, you must think like a killer. If you can't really get into someone's head, how can you understand what they do or why they do it? If I want to catch Tina's killer or the killer or killers of any of the girls I'm going to talk about in season three, then I have to get inside the mind of a killer. In order to catch a monster, sometimes you have to think like a monster. Just a little bit of a warning. This episode might get a little bit uncomfortable, especially if you've been the victim of rape or abuse or if you're close to someone who has been. I'm going to touch upon scenarios that they're downright disgusting. I'm going to explore sexual deviancy. Some of the thoughts and images I'm going to describe can be very disturbing. But in order to hunt a killer, you have to think like a killer. It's not going to be pretty and it's not going to be polite, but I think it must be done. So you've been warned if you have children in your car, you might want to listen to this episode later. My first thought, diving into a psychopath's head, is what does it feel like to stab someone? For a normal person, I can't imagine it would feel good to hurt anyone. But for a killer, it's got to be an enormous release. All that rage and pent-up aggression finally exploding out. But what does it feel like to stab someone 61 times? And how long does that even take? Just over a minute? I mean, 
basically like one stab per second? Or do you just do a couple fast stabs in the beginning and then just slowly poke them after they're dead? How tired would your arm get if you're stabbing someone 61 times in a row? I'd imagine my arm would probably cramp up a little bit eventually. Perhaps you'd have to switch hands. I mean, I can't imagine that it would be any easier if you like use both hands, but who knows? Maybe it's way easier to stab someone than I thought. So with that state of mind, I decided to perform a test. No, of course, I'm not going to stab someone, but I do have to simulate it. I have to see how capable someone of my age and physical capabilities is of stabbing someone that many times. If I'm not able to, then perhaps that sheds a little more light on the possibility that there was more than one person involved. So what am I going to stab? Well, I don't have the funds to get any kind of test dummy or anything, so I'm going to have to make my own. I am going to stab a bucket filled with dirt. I'm going to soak that dirt in water so it's muddy and the mud water will fly as if it's actually blood. Also, I have a hard plastic replica of a knife that I'm going to use. It does have a hand guard above the blade, much like the one that Sylvester Stallone made famous in the movie First Blood. I would just assume that a killer would be smart enough to use a knife with a guard above the blade to prevent his hand from sliding down the handle while he's stabbing. Because if he just used a small pocket knife, I'm positive that he would cut himself numerous times. You see, when you stab someone a lot, there's going to be a lot of blood. And blood is wet. And wet things are slippery. So, chances are, while you're stabbing, your hand is going to run down that handle and slice open your palm or your fingers, mixing your blood with the victim's blood, allowing for a possible DNA test, you know, if the police ever decide that they're going to do a test. All right, so I'm all set to do the test. I'm going to record the entire act, and I'm going to play it all back for you from start to finish. I think it's important to play it so that you have an idea of exactly how long a murder like this would take. Once you get a better idea of how it would play out, you can formulate theories more accordingly. So let's do this. I have my fake knife, my bucket of dirt, my water, and a timer. So let's begin. All right. Stabbing a body. Test. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, thirty. All right. Let's switch my non diamond hand. Halfway through, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 
51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60. All right, so my first thoughts upon doing that is my arm is a little sore, to be honest. And after it, it got my adrenaline way up. Just doing that physical act really got my adrenaline going. And I did have to eventually switch my other hand. But I was also trying to mimic just an explosive rage act. I think if I had, you know endless amounts of time, you could easily stab someone 61 times with no problem at all if you killed them in the first couple stabs. So I don't know where that really leads us, but I do have a second test. For my next test, I want you to remember that police do not believe that Tina was murdered where she was found. So that got me thinking, how easy is it to carry a body? It might be easy to simply pick up a body and roll it down a hill or drag it, but the killer would at least have to pick up and carry the body from the murder site to wherever he or she disposed of it. So to conduct this test, I needed another test dummy, and I got the help from my wife. She stands about, I don't know, five foot four, 116 pounds. She won't actually tell me how much she weighs, but... That seems like a good enough guess. So that's not too far off from Tina's size. My mission is going to be to carry her, or to pick her up rather, from the ground, completely limp, and try to carry her to the bed and set her down. So, sounds easy enough. Let's give this a try now. Alright, let's see how easy it is to pick up a dead body with a dog trying to attack. Alright. Alright, here we go. Remember, you're limp, you're dead, no standing. No. Oh, okay. I got you up. Let me carry you for quite a distance. Alright, you can be alive now. <laughs> so it was surprisingly pretty easy to pick her up. But I also I'm in very good shape. It was not the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I mean, I did it after I did the stabbing test and my arm wasn't completely jello. So I think that it's very possible that one person easily could have stabbed her that many times and still picked her up and carried her and dropped her off wherever they needed to. That's at least... Someone of my age and my physical capability, someone younger, they might be way more physical than I am. They still have youth on their side. They might have been able to do way worse. I'm just saying from the little tests that I did, I think this easily could have been one person and it could have been any age between, I don't know, 15 through 50, I guess. I mean, I know a lot of guys that are 50 years old in way better shape than I am. So I don't know. So my next thought is, could Tina have crawled to the fence near the shore where she was found? I mean, maybe she wasn't disposed of at all. Maybe she was left where the murder happened and she tried crawling to safety. 
And ultimately, she succumbed to her wounds and died where she was found. It's only stated that she was found in a suggestive manner. I mean, I don't know what that means. It could just be possibly, you know, she was on all fours from crawling away or numerous other reasons. Um, we don't know specifics, so we can only speculate. And honestly, do you really want to know those specifics? What we do know is that police claim there was no sexual assault. If this is true, it brings up a few theories and possibilities. Perhaps this was done by a younger person who had no true sexual experience, which means either it was a boy around Tina's age or a boy slightly older, but, you know, he was still a virgin. Because she was found nude, but the killer apparently didn't do anything else, to me, it indicates that the perpetrator would have had a chronic sexual problem, indicating deviancy and bizarre sexual thoughts that perhaps plagued him throughout his entire life. This means he could have been an avid reader of pornography and may have been involved in experiments of bizarre nature throughout his adolescence. But why leave her nude body lying there without performing any sexual acts. If it was more than one male committing this crime, perhaps there was no penetration due to the presence of other people. Maybe they're all just a little too shy to expose themselves in front of their cohorts. Or perhaps it was just the sight of a nude body that was enough for the killer. I mean, BTK never raped anyone, but he did masturbate on sight. Perhaps the killer either went to rape Tina and ejaculated prematurely or just a sight of her nude body was enough to get him off. One possibility is that maybe the killer was sexually confused at the time. You know, maybe he was led to believe that he was attracted to girls, but given the opportunity to have sex with a nude girl, he was unable to. Maybe he later learned that he was gay or bisexual. Later on in life, perhaps, he was able to overcome this confusion and eventually went on to lead a completely heterosexual lifestyle and even married a female. But perhaps he still has interest in men and women. Perhaps his sexual deviancy continued later in life, which caused problems in his relationships. Maybe like James Multler, maybe he was only able to achieve an erection if his partner was role-playing you know, pretending to be unconscious or maybe even dead. Or maybe he could only perform if his partner was extremely intoxicated. If it was a male who committed this beach, then he most likely was local. He knew the area well enough to know where the beach was. And if it wasn't a boy around the age of Tina, if it was someone older, such as the suspect I alluded to in Tina's update episode and also relayed to Deputy Chief Scholes. There are reasons also why there was no sexual assault. Perhaps he was intoxicated at the time. He might have been a sexual deviant, but due to his high level of alcohol in his system, maybe his urges got the better of him and he lashed out in a violent manner. Or perhaps when he went to rape Tina, the alcohol prevented him from achieving an erection which sent him into a murderous rage. 
Of course, all this is speculation based on the limited evidence that we actually have. Next week, I promise, I'm going to call Deputy Chief Scholes again and see if I can't finally get some answers. Let me know what you thought of what I discussed in today's episode. Either email me at info at searchingforclosure.com or join our Facebook group, which can be found at facebook.com slash groups slash searchingforclosure. Or follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Closure Podcast. All these links, along with photos and updates, can be found at searchingforclosure.com. Now, before I go, I want to talk to you quickly about two sponsors of the show. As you know, I'd never try to sell you anything that I don't personally believe in. And I use both of these sponsors, and I do completely believe in them. My first sponsor is Audible. If you're an avid reader like me, but you don't really have the time to sit down for hours and read an actual physical copy of a book, then you should really try Audible's audiobooks. There are over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. All the greats like Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, or Stephen King, or my favorite, true crime books. Like any book by John Douglas, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash closure and sign up for a free month and get a free audiobook to get you started. I've been using Audible for just about a year now, and this year alone, I've already listened to 64 audiobooks. There's no strings attached, and you can cancel at any time. So go to audibletrial.com slash closure and get yourself a free audiobook on me. My second sponsor is perfect for anyone that loves a good mystery. It's called Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer is a murder mystery box that immerses you in an ongoing experience. You see, every month you get a new box delivered to your door. Within each box, or episode as they call it, you dive deeper into what it's like to actually be a detective. You can see what I go through making this podcast, basically. All the research. You'll sift through piles of documents, evidence, audio recordings, and case files, eliminating suspects until, hopefully, you crack the case and find the killer. Instead of just staring at a screen playing a game, you can build an investigation board, like I'm doing for Season 3. Or you can have a little date night and invite over all your friends to try to figure it out as you go as a team. If you get stuck, you can just hop into their online discussion board for help. Or if you want to just go at it alone and try to figure it out for yourself, you can. Hunt a Killer is designed to be played how you want to play it. All you have to do is go to huntakiller.com and use the promo code CLOSURE at checkout to save yourself 20% on your first box. Just go to huntakiller.com, promo code CLOSURE, 20%. Boom. That easy. So that's all I got for today's first case file episode. Thank you all for the support. I'll be back again next week with another case file. Until then, thank you for listening.